Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello all, welcome back to Untying Knots. This is Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark speaking. And if my voice sounds a little strange, <laughs> as if you've probably heard, I am re- still recovering from being sick during the Christmas holiday. So my voice is a little off and there'll be periodically me coughing. Um, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. This does not constitute working with a mental health professional. I strongly recommend finding one in your area to work on your unique issues. Now, as it is, this recording is coming out in February, and it's going to be part of my Black History, Black Pride, Black Celebration Month. And I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman that I met while working with one of our other past guests, uh, Dr. Etridge, Dr. Eric uh, Fitzentrun. And he, he had a conference, a little, should I say, a seminar talking about men, men's health and to launch his book, the uh uh <laughs> sitting here uh the better man guide to consent in stronger relationships and hotter sex so my fellow guests here was one of the members of our summit and well what they spoke about moved me quite a bit that it's like oh i need to have him on the show as well so i would like you all to meet dexter spitz was raised in prince george county maryland his curious mind led him to become a jack-of-all-trades as a science engineer, musician, spoken word artist, and entrepreneur. <clears throat> he relocated to Chicago, Chicago in 2014 after graduating from Virginia Tech, <clears throat> where he got his degree as a material science engineer and met his mentor, Dr. Nikki Giovanni. He began the the pursuit of his performance career as Derek Dexter Spitz, a witty, impactful, and energizing lyricist. His motto is to live life like an experiment. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control the products you become. He explores the experimental themes in his multi-sensory performances. His acapella, spoken word, and keynotes have brought crowds to tears while teaching inspirational deep life lessons. He most recently launched a movement called How Men Cry, which is changing the narrative around men's relationship to vulnerability and mental health with the intention of making compassion contagious. Dexter, welcome to Untying Knots. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. It's been a, been a long time coming, so <laughs> glad we got to make it happen. Yeah, scheduling and perfect that it happens to be for February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and yeah. If you see the motion, <laughs> and he's going on longer, it's because I'm probably having a coughing fit. But <laughs> as always, the question is, how did you get here? Yeah, that is a loaded question, but a good question. I feel like um, I got here through a lot of um, maybe earlier traumas, which have now turned to really beautiful parts of you know a, a story and mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a bit more of a sensitive kid. I think I absorbed a lot of um, info, uh, you know, 
from my parents, raised with a lot of siblings, other things like that. Got to see a lot of different uh, family dynamics, which, you know, I now realize inform and taught me so much about the complexities of being in relationship and then also mm -hmm. um, being in relationship where, you know, trauma has maybe been passed down in different ways. So a lot of those stories kind of encouraged, um, you know, my first journeys into writing or using art forms as a way to uh, find ways to speak when maybe I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, since just grown and blossomed in many different ways into the man I am today. So that's the the short version. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So what led you to create this project about how men cry? Yeah, uh, a lot of that was from going just through my own process of, mm -hmm. of therapy and healing and mm -hmm. um, realizing how, um, how, how much pain I was actually in at different periods in life without realizing that that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I started going to therapy, which is now over five years ago, uh, is when I started. And essentially, I started, I was doing what I would normally always do, which is write mm -hmm. out what was going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, I began to write these pieces that had this through line around uh, masculinity and the person that I uh, identified as at, at, at the time and, you know, what I felt felt like I needed to do, um, you know, to be this idea of a man that I had. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, when I started to read some of those pieces publicly or even just share them with close mm -hmm. friends and groups, you know, I, I have to thank a lot of my support group who is pretty much like this, this is stuff that really needs to be heard. And I think, um, with an, enough people saying that and enough people also just kind of forcing me to go perform, <laughs> uh, the, the material it's, it's, you know, just kind of blossomed and, and grown legs to what it is today. Very nice. And I hope you also be able to share a little bit with us today if we get a chance. But sure. I think one of the biggest questions that sort of comes to mind, and I know this comes for a lot of <laughs> men, and especially black men, the aspect of you going to therapy is grippling with this idea of some not just weakness or strength or mm -hmm. uh, even the idea that there actually is trauma. What are your thoughts on that, that belief? Yeah, it's... That is what immediately comes to mind is the word uh, conditioning that just immediately mm -hmm. pops in into mind. And I th I think a lot of that conditioning is maybe what took me so long to get to a point mm -hmm. of essentially saying, hey, this maybe is something that I need to talk to someone else about. And it wasn't even really me that made that that leap by myself. It was, you know, actually a mm -hmm. partner that I was dating at a time that, you know, mm -hmm. she really actually helped to line up someone for me to talk to. She didn't, basically it was a, if I do this search and I give you three names, then you need to contact, mm -hmm. you know, one of them kind of things. And, mm -hmm. and so even my introduction <laughs> to it was with a little bit of help, you know, truly. And then I think once I got into that process um i think a part that was really important is i was at a really extreme point of burnout and hurt at, at that mm -hmm. time where i really felt like i didn't have many more options just in in general 
Um, so I, once I was in the process, it was easier to kind of destigmatize and decondition along along the way. But that first mm-hmm. that first leap for sure took took a little bit of time. So I think it's important then for us to start helping people understand what that stigma looks like so that mm-hmm. they can begin to see it and realize that it's going on mm-hmm. for them to make change. How would you describe that stigma and conditioning? Yeah, and through the lens of, I would say a lot of the experience when I came up is the thought of going to a therapist or to talk someone, talk to someone was presented as, oh, there's something wrong, basically. Like, there's something really wrong with this person mm-hmm. if they need to go and speak to somebody about something, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost comical looking back at some of the circumstances where I'm like, we don't think anybody's wrong with it. I mean, and actually, I'm, actually I don't even want to use the word wrong. Looking around at what, what was going on and the difficulty mm-hmm. in relationship, it's like interesting to look back and see nobody mm-hmm. had a point of concern that maybe this could look better is, is probably the better way that I would word it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the first you know piece of it is something's wrong with you, something's wrong with you. And then I think on the flip side of that in particular, um, for a lot of the male narratives, it is our the idea of vulnerability in any type of way is kind of shunned and looked at as a negative. And then the Mm -hmm. idea that you need help or support in some type of way seems to be a less masculine concept, depending on where where you're looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's just hilarious even to look at that stigma sometimes because that seems to only matter what the context is because if I'm starting a business or something like that, then it's, you know, plenty masculine for me to go get mentors and to go get Mm -hmm. help in that type of way, Mm -hmm. you know, but if it's around, let me process or deal with my emotions for whatever reason, that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't recognized as being okay. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And, to that end, I mean, again, can can you think of any examples of those phrasings that you heard mm-hmm. that sort of just illustrate that? Because again, there's probably a lot of people who are going through this and wondering what this is, and yeah, you know, having that. Here's the phrase I've heard. It's like, oh, I need to stop and think about it because I've heard this phrase said to me. I mean, the the old conventional one is the, you know, you need to man up about something. That's probably, mm. really, that's that that's the almost cliche one though. Mm. Uh, one that I've written a poem about, which actually came um, from my, my grandmother. It's a slightly different flavor to it, but it mm-hmm. laid some of the foundation of, I think, how I looked at things, which is stop crying before I give you something to cry about. And it's such a layered, there's so much layered in there that I think set groundwork uh, because in one, at one moment you're telling this person like, or this person is expressing, Hey, I have something that is worth crying about or that I feel vulnerable about. And then you're kind of met with this idea of, you know, you need to cease and stop that or else you'll get this threat of violence. Mm -hmm. And I would say variations (laughs) of that, even as you go through 
you know, adulthood and in particular for a, a lot of men is like this expression of vulnerability is, oh, you know, mm -hmm. you're too soft. Maybe that's another thing, you know, you're too soft or there's this or you're sensitive. I remember being like bullied or teased around the word, even within my family unit around mm -hmm. you know, being sensitive or something like that. Um, so that's, that's what kind of, what kind of comes to mind. Um, yeah, yeah there's, probably, suddenly... there's probably more, but it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, because what as you're describing that, I'm suddenly flashing back to um, a meme that I had seen on, I think it was on Facebook at one point. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm one of those old people that uses Facebook. <laughs> that basically showed this black child who was crying and then getting screamed at by an older, either their mother or their grandmother, uh, basically mm -hmm. was an older woman. And then at time skips to them as a man having a problem and then having I'm assuming his wife or girlfriend basically say, yeah. why won't you talk to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that oh, standpoint, sorry. well, no, and, and just that standpoint of yeah. the only thing that is different is other than the time and the age is there's still somebody basically saying something's off about your emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that can be, I think that's, it's it's a multi-layered um experience that i think a lot of you know men have had in that particular meme uh or or circumstances like there and i i think that's why i was saying there's so much complexity to um mm -hmm. our early relationships sometimes mm -hmm. where that was more of the circumstance my mother and her mother for that matter, and I would imagine her mother were the more verbally, you know, um, aggressive, mm -hmm. like hands down. And my father mm -hmm. was more kind of removed, like removed in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And you know, but it it is like a valid point where in your early life circumstances, is this if this is how you're learning to relate, or even the observation of you know the personality of the mother and father interacting mm -hmm. and seeing how they interact, and then mm -hmm. I grow up you know, looking more like this male figure. And by the time I get into a real relationship where it's necessary for me to be vulnerable for it to work, it's like the skill set isn't even, isn't even oh, there yeah. or, you know, the, the shutdown is, is there. Oh yeah. 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 Very much. I know that's something I speak with, especially when I do couples work is the aspect of what did your parents relationship with each other yeah. look like? And how is that mirroring in your relationship with your partner now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and, and we also say this with full respect to our sisters out there. Mm -hmm. We love you. We respect you, but we're not, all, but this is an issue that's affecting all of us. Oh yeah. Not Any, just one. Yeah. Yeah. And anyone, and I'm, I'm glad you even said that too, is like, I think part of the climate of right now is it's everything is very Com combative i think sometimes mm -hmm. where it's like if you say anything for one group then you're anti the other group or this this and that mm -hmm. that's not really uh what i'm here for <laughs> I would, mm -hmm. i'll just say that mm -hmm. and uh you know a lot of the times i'm like if you look at what's happening trauma wise that could have just as easily been my father being you know mm -hmm. the person who it happened to be my circumstance mm -hmm. but you know just saying anybody can be passing down circumstances of trauma and i think one of the best things we can do is maybe add a little compassion to the conversation of whatever mm -hmm. the experience was let's you know try to address that and it doesn't have to be 
to demonize a group, but it is, you know, it's, there are things for sure um, within the culture where you do see some of these themes and this trauma and this wounding passed down looking differently, you know, between genders and other stuff. And it gets, it's really, you know, it's really messy and it's tricky and it's also very painful for a lot of people. So if you hit on mm -hmm. one, you know, nerve, you tend to hit on others. So, yeah. Yeah. And especially too, when we've turned it into entertainment. Oh my God. That's, I, if any, anyone out there, I'm very tired of the, it is popularized to have internal mm -hmm. and emotional discomfort and point it towards somebody we're doing it all mm -hmm. the time that's that's my biggest pushback on social media i think in general is like it's not really established to be let's have an open platform of community discussion this is hit a different a different level and i don't really think it's uh productive often so mm -hmm. yeah let's just say there's a couple of networks that i will probably never watch <laughs> any of their products just because of what i have been able to see from the few times I have seen him, it's just like, you just feeding off of that behavior. And mm -hmm. what is that actually showing us? Yeah. And it's not, and it's not as I would say back in the day, maybe it was easier to see more of the propaganda or some of those other things, but quite mm -hmm. a bit. And I don't mean to over demonize, you know, media companies either, but I'll just say there's quite a bit that it, it's a business. It's mm -hmm. a business. And I think uh, normal news is boring to us mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or maybe has has kind of hit that realm where I would just say when consuming anything, remember that somebody is fighting for your attention quite mm -hmm. often. You know? And just and one of the big things we know, I say, uh, especially when we usually we talk about with kids, but I think this is also fair for adults mm -hmm. is that good attention, bad attention it's still attention. They, yep. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So, and there are very much adults out there who will go seeking attention and use all the bad methods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Which I think makes it all the more important, your message about how men cry and why men cry. Mm -hmm. So what is that structured? Like how are people using that hashtag? Yeah. So uh, when I think of how men cry, I'm not really talking about physical tears. You know, a lot of the time I'm talking about these different pathways that we can cry out from unprocessed pain and trauma points. Um, and a lot of the times that can be from or it'll be some of the things that we turn to when we're actually really feeling pain. So in my case, for instance, is issues with, you know, substances, issues within a uh, relationship, things like self-harm, all of these type of things where maybe it's not conventionally um, welcomed for me to cry tears, but it's going to, mm -hmm. it's, it's coming out somewhere. So, you know, what we're working on doing is um, spreading the, spreading the messaging and awareness that in a nutshell is destigmatizing mm -hmm. um, the way we look at men's mental health and then just destigmatizing talking about mental health as a whole because it really is interwoven like there's the part with this being in relation to men but that's really just a drop in the bucket of this bigger conversation around mental mm -hmm. health um, you know so one thing is that the messaging that we're spreading sometimes I use my artwork and craft to do that and then on the flip side of that you know, we're looking to 
provide more and more spaces for men to come together and be able to mm -hmm. be vulnerable and heal in uh, community and, um, you know, see one another and see some of these parallel experiences that we're, that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. so. Very nice. Very true. And that's part of how they can connect with when they use the hashtag, those connecting points. Yeah, I would I would say if you were gonna um yeah, hashtag how men cry. Uh some we had um a campaign going for a while where you could hold up a sign that said, you know, uh, I cried when and just tell a mm -hmm. story, you know, around crying, whether that's literal or uh physical tears. Uh and I would say really just any expression of vulnerability and maybe destigmatizing um mm -hmm. just talking about mental health more more openly you know being okay mm -hmm. with asking for help being okay with saying hey this is a moment that i'm that i'm struggling or even some of the the celebrations of it hey you know i just started therapy or this kind of healing journey i've had it's mm -hmm. been really awesome to have not as much publicly but um you know several occasions I've had, uh, you know, guys just reach out and talk about how they've been able to start processes of therapy from some of the work that we're doing. So it's really Very awesome. Nice. Very nice. Well, I hate to put you on the spot here, but, uh, mind spinning some rhymes. Let's see. I could, I could, I could pull up something. What kind of, let me see. Well, what maybe, kind of, well, something much, fits what we just, what we just finished with. Maybe how much, how much, how much time you got? Do you want like a full piece? What are you thinking? Uh, we got about five to six minutes before we need to go to break. So let's see. Open, go over there. Uh, okay. I have one for you. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, my mother is the greatest cook in the entire world. She can craft any dish regardless of culture or technique. And every once in a while, she would entrust me with the task of helping out in the kitchen. And to this day, I love to cook. Jordy, she would say, Jordan's my government name. Jordy, she would say, watch the pot on the stove. It's just water boiling, but you need to watch it and stop it before it boils over. See, it's funny how that works. Something as simple as a few drops of water can go from being a calm bringer of life to a scorching disaster. Imagine if the top couldn't pop off the pot, it would boil until the pot exploded. See, a few drops of water used to pour down my face before I learned how to hold them back, suppress the thought, get distracted, simply stop paying attention. See, I hope you know it won't make the pain go away. When I got into my first fist fight, I got my ass whipped. I didn't even throw a punch. I don't know if it was from fear or shock to add insult to injury. He bunny hopped with his bike and landed on mine as he rode away. I felt so much anger that I could punch through a wall. I breathed so hard, huffing and puffing, feeling the internal steam starting to rise until the tears formed at the corner of my eyes, not because of the fight, but because it used to be my friend and it hurt. And instead of letting the tears fall, I would much rather wipe them away, suppress the thought, get distracted, simply stop paying attention. See, I hope you know it won't make the pain go away. Fast forward to my first kiss. It was at the end of school. One of the cutest girls that was actually popular too liked me, and I mean the old me, me with the fearful, anxious mind. See, we stood in front of the school after classes ended and we kissed. Tom stood still. Shortly after a sea of oohs erupted. I walked home feeling like I had done the impossible, and for once I was feeling like the man. Soon to be surprised with the new gossip and rumors that she seemed to regret the decision and just that fast like the day before we stood in front of the school and she dumped me. Tom stood still. Shortly after a sea of ooze erupted, 
I walked home feeling like I never wanted to feel that feeling again. I felt so much anger that I could punch through a wall. I breathed so hard, huffing and puffing, feeling the internal steam starting to rise until the tears formed at the corner of my eyes, not because of all the eyes watching, but because I liked her and it hurt. And instead of letting the tears fall, I would much rather wipe them away, suppress the thought, get distracted, simply stop paying attention. See, I hope you know it won't make the pain go away. Jordy, my mother would say, watch the pot on the stove. It's just water boiling, but you need to watch it and stop it before it boils over. Jordan, watch it before it boils over. Jordan, watch it before it boils over. The pain of trying to feel like you were worth something. Watch it before it boils over. The pain of mommy and daddy splitting. The pain of moving with dad only to be forgotten about. The pain of never really feeling like a part of love. Watch it before it boils over the pain of having to put your family dysfunctions to the side so you can focus on that work the pain of knowing that no one is coming to help you through engineering school coursework of emotional support because you didn't know how to ask the pain of being the only black boy in your department the pain of pretending that it didn't affect you watch it before it boils over the pain of realizing that you never healed before the first from the first scars before the new ones formed the pain of realizing that you have more suppressed pain than addressed pain the pain of pretending that it didn't affect you watch it before it boils over the pain that has turned into more pain watch it before it boils over the pain that has turned into bottle up rage watch it before it boils over the pain that pushed you to make you want to commit that crime the pain that made you want to strangle that person the pain that made you want to hit that person again and again until your knuckles are bloody the pain that jordan watch it before it boils over so that's that piece and in the best beat nick <laughs> appreciate it <laughs> and, no, I think uh, that's yeah. 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 What you're saying. Well, yeah, and that's uh, I think one of the ways to um, you know articulate a lot of the times if we're not processing or speaking through what's going on internally, you know, we get to these points of held in pressure, and then you know the worst case scenario see these uh, these kind of bursts. So those are the things that we're we're working on um, normalizing talking about just that whole that whole setup. You know, mm -hmm. very much so. And I think this is a perfect place for us to take a break, folks, as you let this, these rhymes, these words, these experience soak in. So I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Dexter Spitz, spoken word artist, entrepreneur, scientist, and engineer. We'll be back for more here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethered. Stay tuned, folks. Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. 
Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm here with <laughs> Dexter Spitz, uh, lyricist, engineer, scientist, spoken word, and the creator of how men cry hashtag. So we've talked a little a bit about how you've gone to therapy mm-hmm. and I'm curious. And if you're willing, what, if you were to create a spoken word around that process of dealing with therapy and what you encountered in it, what might you create? Yeah. What, what comes to mind is actually um, a piece that I have that's, called colors and one thing is i think when we talk about therapy and mental health in in general there can maybe be this like dark looming cloud sometimes Mm -hmm. of oh here's all the difficult experience and you may very well come and find a lot of that but i think what's also important are these like beautiful moments that you get from being on the other side or just from working through it and seeing these changes within the self So in this piece, um, Colors, I'm actually having a conversation, you know, with with my therapist, um, you know, where he has this line essentially that says, you know, you know where you've been, but you're healing from that. So who do you want to be now? And Mm -hmm. my response in connection with that question is that I want to be this this painter which is basically like taking all of these different um, colors, you know, that I've described within the poems of maybe, you know, rage and anger being this red or, you know, this, this blue being depression, whatever it may be, and kind of combining these things together to start to paint different pictures for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think uh, that's, kind of the beautiful thing of doing more of that work is then you have more agency and it's not so, you know, compulsive. Uh, Because I would say, honestly, before going through a process of therapy, it sounds crazy, but the first 30 something years of my life seemed to be pretty much compulsive uh, Mm -hmm. response. I mean, I'm sure there was thought and mindfulness there to some extent, but having a better understanding of myself now and in comparison, it's like, wow, I think I was on autopilot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. It's uh, one of the things that um, I know I was talking with some clients about this and others, because I know there's this aspect of if we look at the human lifespan as being a hundred years, mm-hmm. roughly, I mean, give or take, whether you, mm-hmm. like 80 to 100 years is the average human lifespan. <clears throat> the first 20 years or so of that lifespan is spent growing up and getting everything that that experience has for you yeah 
And then spending that next 80, uh, 60 to 80 years, mm-hmm. or no, sorry, my math's off there a little, that next 80 years, let's say, dealing with everything that the first 20 years brought you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And yeah. whether those first 20 years actually taught good skills, and I should remove from the idea of good taught constructive skills or destructive Mm. skills yeah and that is one of the reasons why we ask the question is tell us about your childhood Mm -hmm. what you're going through now is patterns that got established before you sat down in this office yeah and do you want to keep that pattern or do you want to change that pattern yeah and i think and also and to that part too of being able to, to witness that pattern, I feel like it mm-hmm. also allows you to see it within like other people where now it's, it's a lot more clear for me to be able to see even in relationship or something like that. Like, oh, this is wounding that this particular person is having from something in childhood or from previous relationships or how those two things have tangled together and you know mm-hmm. has this reaction that i'm seeing in front of me where a lot of the times and and you know i get it i've made plenty of mistakes or had plenty of issues or you know messed up plenty mm-hmm. of relationships with operating in a way of not really even being aware of a lot of that mm-hmm. patterning and you know we're adults i get it but we can oftentimes judge the the patterning where sometimes Mm -hmm. i'm like if we really want a bigger societal shift you kind of have to try to find ways to soften around the patterning so that Mm -hmm. it's easier to to kind of talk about like what immediately comes to mind i'm i'm working on doing a project where working on it now of you know possibly getting some like men's work into into the uh prison systems and mm-hmm. it's it's i can sometimes just such a population that has not had that compassion for you know the the trauma responses and for so many of the circumstances that you can look at it's like so clear mm-hmm. you know and again i get it we're adults we get into the, the the bigger world of things but it's like what would happen if we looked at this a little different even just from from the start or from teenage years or all these things to now you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not just uh, i would say it's not just the prison system it's to- also yeah totally not what it's are, just what yeah what are we also talking about too in that same point of not just our kids but even the adults that are responsible for watching over the kids yeah yeah what is what is the paints and what are they painting with those colors yeah yeah and if it's just unconscious if you don't have the evaluation at all i think that's that's the part that's even you know trickier um because what actually comes to mind even from that is a good friend of mine was talking about just starting a process of therapy and mm-hmm. this was um and she said i got the information and i saw the work <laughs> she said mm-hmm. and i don't want to do it right now <laughs> and i was like right. i can i can actually you know i'm like i can respect that like i can i feel that but the fact that she went to get that awareness mm-hmm. even that alone i'm sure would would drastically shift so much you know exactly moving forward so and i think too is the understanding is that yeah 
you see it, you see the work that needs to be done. Yeah, you're not ready to do it now. But understand, at some point, you will have to do this work <laughs> yeah. if you want to have a different pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And there are times where, yeah, well, they're 60 year old and they're still behaving this way. They didn't stop to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. They're 80 year old and they didn't stop to do this work. And then wondering why people don't want to give them the time. And oh man, what a tricky one there. Because I think that's what uh what comes to mind is figuring out how to I've run into a common theme with friends or family members or whomever else who have done, um, you know, more work or started more on mm-hmm. journeys of therapy and healing. And it gets sometimes harder and harder to mm-hmm. deal with some of the figures who have put in place some of that wounding. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm working on a, it. Has, it has taken less form, but I'm working on a poem that will kind of address um just that like isolation i think mm-hmm. sometimes that can some that can be felt if mm-hmm. it's like hey i went to go do more of this work and dig internally in this way same thing i think happens within the like dating pool or something sometimes it's like hey i've done this internal work and i'm trying to do this and try to do that and then it's harder and harder to find you know um people, people who I match think, yeah and i think i think people i think there is something to be said about that feeling of like uh isolation um that can kind of happen too like doing your own personal work is difficult enough but then having to go back and Mm. you know maybe interact or work with uh some of those earlier figures and i think that's one of the things that keeps me motivated is i do not want to essentially become this older version of myself that's just in toxic patterns forever you know it's just that's probably my, my biggest fear at this point which becomes also that problem of those older figures who have been part of that cause of that are so trapped mm-hmm. in those toxic behaviors and those toxic thinking. And also in those ways was, um, that they are wounded, but they have become so armored, mm-hmm. calloused mm-hmm. or unable to conce- conceptualize that maybe they need to do something different yeah yeah and then they're giving us they're feeding that crap that because they couldn't change why could why should you Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and that's i think that's and it it's interesting because i've got in my own life to see a bit of a, a microcosm of it is because you know, the point before even starting a process of therapy, if I'm just being blatantly blatantly honest, is, you know, I was really looking at, like, discontinuing Mm -hmm. my life pretty strongly at at that time, whether people would realize it or not, because uh, from the outside in, it looked like I was Mm -hmm. having a lot of, you know, success for Mm -hmm. whatever way. Mm -hmm. And... But it was just to a point of like, I really don't feel like I have these options. And you know that something is wrong. You don't quite know what. Maybe you can't put the words to it. And by wrong, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying wrong as in bad, good, wrong, as in something is off within the, you know, uh, internal self. And you know that it's it's there. 
but maybe finding that language or having the tools or, you know, knowing how to ask for that help and support maybe isn't. So, you know, I do try to extend the compassion easier said than done sometimes, but to people who are kind of, who are trapped in that pattern mm -hmm. and, you know, it's so mm -hmm. usual that it's like, where do I turn? And I guess maybe that's where I would try to advocate that there are resources, um, resources out there, you know, possibly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're still here with us. Yeah, I think that's one of the diff difficult things, especially from the therapy standpoint, <clears throat> especially when we get people who want their loved ones to change mm -hmm. and they're willing to do all these things for them, but you've never stopped to get, get this person has to be the one who actually wants to change. Yeah. No <laughs> amount of you, no amount of you wishing what doing all the good, uh, all setting up all the appointments is going to work if they don't want to build the relationship that allows them to make change. Mm. And yeah. there is an, and I'm not saying hope should not be included here, but it's got, it's like, you got to understand that's the, one of the most practical things of what makes therapy work is the person is willing to now do the work. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not doing the willing to do the work. We can't do anything. We can't. You can't force the horse to drink water. Otherwise, you got a drowned horse. <laughs> yeah, but it, and that's uh, and having that, I would say maybe a ability or insight to try to let go mm -hmm. of of that. There's a, a great statement that I love that says, "Don't rob people of their problems." Essentially, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, and coming to terms with the flip side of that reality, uh, I think is that they may never do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and finding ways to be okay with that, you know? Which then becomes a, uh, a very hard thing for those who have gotten, have built themselves. <laughs> notion that they have to rescue everybody, that the mm -hmm. world can't be okay if they didn't rescue this person. Yeah. And that becomes its own destructive pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, didn't know we were going to be preaching today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, like I said, it's some, sometimes one of those myths and realities about what we're doing with therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because uh, I was just on a panel recently talking about why is parent, why is therapy so difficult to to expensive and get access to and there's a whole some slew of things here that is just not just about the healing and working with people there's yeah. whole structures and industries that have become built that influence and that influence can either keep your therapy from being short or keep you from being there altogether doesn't mm -hmm. matter what we're just here to do this work and this is difficult work in itself yeah, it's also elating work because yeah. there's a joy of being here and listening to you as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's one thing that I also would say I I try to have uh, compassion for, which is tricky, is that the accessibility is still an issue, which, which is why I try to not take like I am a big advocate, um, mm -hmm. you know, of course for for therapy as well, but the accessibility can be tricky. And so, for instance, one of the things that we try to do with our uh, 
with our men's retreats in particular is we try to make it uh, accessible enough. You know, we're having mm-hmm. more like uh, sliding scales where of things mm-hmm. where people can attend or stuff. Um, because I'm finding the reality that for a lot of men, it's quite possible that even just starting therapy from a standpoint of having access, but also just sometimes of being ready for it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this space between, hey, I think maybe I want to heal a little, you know, or or mm-hmm. look into this healing journey a bit and then actually making that phone call or taking that step to speak to a therapist. And there's this gray area uh, between, mm-hmm. sorry, that's my door buzzing. There's this gray area, you know, between, I think, that... Um, that's where I think individuals can kind of get lost and maybe not find mm-hmm. the, the resources. So. Well, and, and it's not just lost, it's the fact that that gray area even exists. True, yeah. Because yeah. especially with certain black and white thinking, there isn't an idea of that gray area. Yeah. So it's being able to have that included in the thinking process of it all. Yeah. Hmm. So we should start wrapping up. And I'm just wondering, do you have is there any piece you'd love to share to take us out of as we end this up for today? Hmm. It's a good uh I'm trying to think of um it's kind of like a segment of of one that kind of um that like comes to mind. I'm thinking if I have this whole poem on on on, on memory. I know I have the last the last back end of it. Um, yeah, I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a a segment from one of them. Um, stitch together a couple of pieces of it, and it's that. Uh, A seven-year-old boy made his home inside a castle. He didn't ask to be placed there. He did it to survive. He could have really used a hug. He could have really used some love. He laid the foundation brick by brick. So one part of that is essentially describing in this childhood wounding Mm -hmm. how we can create these systems of protection for ourselves that'll follow us um into our life and perpetuate you know so much of who we can become and i want to share the tail end of that piece which is like a 30 year old man made his home inside a castle he didn't ask to be placed there he did it to survive he mans the drawbridge he can no longer allow anything in he can no longer allow himself to be hurt he can no longer laugh because it hurts he can no longer laugh because it's hurting He cries when no one is looking. But he finally found his voice by telling his story. He told his story even when he hated the words, the words that he can finally get out, even if it took what felt like an eternity. He didn't ask to be placed there, but he found his way to survive. Mm -hmm. So that's that piece. And that's from a a poem of mine, um, Castle, which I think captures the the essence of a lot of what we were speaking on today of this this process of these early experiences mm-hmm. you know influencing so i'm still working my way out of that castle <laughs> oh yeah yeah well because it, it also brings up <laughs> the notion is this the sleeping beauty cinderella castle or is mm-hmm. this mordor 
<laughs> probably Mordor for for a while. It's getting mm-hmm. it's a nicer castle now. Exactly. That thing so, was intense for a minute, though. <laughs> exactly, and so even the notion of when we say castle, what comes to mind? Mm-hmm. Are we talking lovely fairy tale, which can also be very dark, yeah. or dark and brooding castle that can hold a lot of warmth? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So all of that is uh, stuff to ponder, mm-hmm. and which way you're looking at it? Are you looking at it in a constructive way, or are you look at it in a destructive way? Yeah. So where can folks find you if they want to learn more and work more and come connect with these groups? Yeah. So uh, one of the easiest ways is uh, to go to www.howmencry.com. I don't even know if I have to say the W dot anymore, but howmencry.com. And, you know, they're on our site. Uh, It's being revamped now, should be up by the time uh, this podcast airs, but essentially... You can find more about our uh, retreat work that we're doing with guys, as well as ways to, you know, um, work with us on maybe speaking or coming to do a performance or anything like that. Uh, And as well as like newsletters and things within the site to find ways to be in touch. Another simple way to follow along is on the um, interwebs on social media. If you find, Mm -hmm. uh, Dexter spits on any platform. So that's just Dexter without the um, E's. So mm-hmm. D-X-T-R underscore spits. And that's on most platforms. And then uh, How Men Cry as well has um, social media platforms and other things. So if you type those, if you type in How Men Cry, you'll pretty much find us. So. All righty. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, thank you for sharing your work with us. And uh <laughs> be well as i'd love to hear the uh your uh therapy one once it's finished as well as more of castles as well yeah absolutely thank you for the for the space and for the the great questioning not a problem so this is untying knots minds and souls untethered i've been here with dexter spitz i'm perry clark licensed marriage and family therapist and uh we look forward to you're celebrating the rest of this Black History, Black Pride, Black Celebration Month by getting the help you need. And if you're not ready, just know the help is out there. And you have to take a step, it takes a call to reach it. So stay tuned as we have some more coming up for this month. And be well and safe, folks. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.